So yesterday was a cool day. Actually, it was blazing hot yesterday. <laughs> but for our family, it was a very cool day. Matt and Tylee had their gender reveal party, which was very cool. It's very awesome. Now, those of you that are my generation, we never did that. But it was a cool day. It was an awesome, awesome event. And it was late yesterday afternoon, and so I had some stuff to do around the house yesterday. And it was hot. Everybody know it was hot yesterday? It was like, oh my gosh, it was hot. And it was all outside, all in the blazing sun. And I got really, really hot. And I, I, I went inside, got cleaned up, got ready to go to the, to the party. And I had one thought in my mind. One thought, other than the fact that I was going to find out the gender of my grandchild. Uh, I was like, I'm going to get somewhere. Once we get to Tyler's dad's house, I'm going to get somewhere cool. I'm going to get somewhere cool, I'm going to get something cold to drink, and I'm going to hang out. And, and so we had the, the reveal, and it was so cool, but it was outside, and it was hot, and as soon as that thing was over with, everybody made a beeline, get inside the house, and get cool. We ate our, ate our afternoon meal there, and it, I, I found my spot. I sat down, cup holder, Diet Coke, I, I'm, I'm good, it is cool. People milling around, talking with my family and my friends. It is just a great, great time. So at some point, one of the ladies said, look at all those husbands having to entertain their children out in the backyard. And I went, not me. <laughs> my children are grown, can take care of themselves. I'm staying right here in my spot with my Diet Coke. And, you know, they, they had to do it because Tyler's dad's backyard is very cool. There's many things to play with. There's a playground. There's all sorts of stuff. And there they were. And I'm like, I remember those days until I heard these fateful words. Pop, pop, will you take me to the playground? Now, I'm, we're going to take a little poll. I said one of two things. You choose which thing I said. Did I say, A, listen, darling, it's too hot outside, so you're just going to have to find somebody else to entertain you. Pop-Pop is sitting in his seat. He's got his spot. He's got his Diet Coke. Or did I take my Diet Coke, grab that little girl by the hand, and head out to the playground? <laughs> well, this, this should let you know what happened. There's, that's what we did. That's what we did. Now, now listen... How many of you know that when it's yours, you'll do for yours what you won't do for anybody else? Is that true? I got a phone call from an old friend uh, this, past, this past weekend, Friday, I think. And she said, I just, I just needed to talk to you because I'm having, having a challenge. Uh, her barely adult daughter was having some trouble adjusting to her newfound adultness and had gone away doing things she shouldn't be doing with people she shouldn't be doing them with in places where she shouldn't be. And her heart was breaking for her daughter. And my heart was breaking because this is my dear friend and her daughter, okay? My heart broke differently than hers did. Do you know why? When it's yours, it hits different. Now, we talk about how we, we have kindness and compassion for all, and I believe we should. And, and I'd, like to, I'd like to think 
that if any one of you needed me, I, I would be there with help and concern. But the reality is when it's yours, it's different. Is that right or wrong? Unfortunately, many believers never gain the understanding that our God has done more than forgive us our sins. We, we just sang, our chains are gone, we've been set free. Is that good news, anyone? And if God never did anything else for you, is that enough? And the answer is obviously yes. But I want you to hear me and hear me well today. God just doesn't call me free. He calls me son. And there's a difference. He could have stopped at free. But he didn't. He calls me son. So what does it look like? What does Dwayne, what does Dwayne's Life as my father's son looked like. What does your life look like as your father's child? And that's what we're going to talk about today. How do we live like children of God? Not just free people. How do we live like children of God? What does it look like to walk out of the orphanage into the father's house? Oh, by the way, how you... You've heard me preach and you've heard it taught that we are adopted into the family of God. My friend that called me concerned about her child, that's not her biological child. It's her adopted daughter. It doesn't feel any different. As the adopted children of God, we are children. We are His children. And how do I live like my father's son? Our text today, Galatians chapter 4, read it with me. It's on the screen behind me. I'll be honest with you, it's hard for me to, to get past the first line of this, of this, of this passage, but I'm going to try. But when the right time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent Him to buy freedom for us, who were slaves to the law. Notice there's not a period there. What, what's there? A comma. So that he could adopt us as his very own children. Today we're going to learn what the difference is between just being set free, which we're so thankful for, and being adopted as God's very own children. Sound like good news to anybody? Amen. Twain, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that the God of the universe would want me to be his child. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense in spite of all I've done, all, I've, all the places I've gone, he would want me. It doesn't, doesn't make sense. And maybe, maybe you... Maybe you could say what I feel like saying. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've said. You don't know where I've gone. You don't know the darkest parts of my soul. But your father does, and he calls you child. That's good news. My great hope for today is that we leave this place not just 
as freed slaves, but as children of the Most High God. (laughs) Write this down. Grace doesn't have to make sense. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? No, it doesn't make sense. (laughs) Why would he want... I know y'all. You know me. Why would he want us? What have we ever done to deserve the love of the Most High God? And the answer is nothing. There's nothing we've done. He loves us. Because... He loves us because He's love and that's what He does. It doesn't make sense. Of course it doesn't make sense. And that's what the Galatia church was dealing with. Galatians 4 3 says, And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. You know what that means? We are wired as humans. To reciprocate. So, I I was out to lunch with a new friend Friday, and he bought my lunch. And if if that happens, what's the natural response? I'll get in the next one. Right? We're wired to reciprocate. Somebody does something nice for you, we are wired to compensate them. And the same is true spiritually. We're wired that if God blesses us, well, there must be something I need to do to earn that. If if, if God pours His love and grace and mercy on us, well, then obviously there's something I must have done or need to do to earn that. And I'm going to tell you that that's exactly what was happening in the Galatian church. Certainly it's not that, that... God just loved us enough to send His Son to purchase our freedom and adopt us as children. There must be something we need to do. So let's go back to the bondage we were once in and try to work our way into God's favor. If you could have worked your way into God's favor, you would have done it by now. So some of you guys are reading... The, the Galatians Bible reading plan on version with us. This morning's devotion said this. Listen. There's a whispering witness within that says we possess a sinful nature and it requires some form of reconciliation. It's an inner inch, excuse me, an inner itch that mankind finds some measure of relief from by doing what they understand to be the right thing. It doesn't make sense that God would pour His grace on us when we don't deserve it. It doesn't make sense. God's ways aren't our ways. And our thoughts are not His thoughts. Listen, just because it doesn't make sense to you doesn't mean it doesn't make sense. Maybe you've been at that point in your life where you feel like that your behavior doesn't warrant your adoption. That you haven't done the right things to deserve God's favor. I'm going to tell you to get in line. 
None of us have, by our behavior, have warranted his favor and goodness and grace and love. The best among us, our righteous is as a filthy rag, is what scripture says. Now, now listen, you're going to say, well, Dwayne, does that mean I can live however I want to live? Come next week. Please come next week. God said at the right time, God sent his son. The Bible says at the right time. Somebody say at the right time. You, you know, if, if, you, if you study Jewish history, they think Jesus was late. They had been begging for a promised Messiah and, to, to come in and, and right all of the wrongs of the world, of the government of the system and Jesus said I'm really more concerned about your heart at the right time at the right time write this down grace always intervenes at the right time anybody ever said this prayer God why haven't you done something by now now you know you might not be so bold to pray that but you've thought it I, I got a in fact, I've had conversations with people, and I said, have you prayed about it? Yes, but none's happened. Really? Is that our attitude? Well, I've prayed, and God didn't answer my prayer like I think he needs to, so obviously he either, A, doesn't care, B, he's not paying attention, C, is punishing me for something. Could it be, could it be that God... Just like the children of Israel were wondering where their promised Messiah was. Could it be that God is working in the background all along? Could it be that in, in this thing that you're asking God for, this thing that you're praying for, this thing that you're waiting for, could it be that just because you don't see it with your eyes, could it be that God is working in the background beyond your ability to fathom? Could it be that God is working on your behalf and you have no comprehension of it? And the answer is yes. See, I'm of the opinion, and I genuinely, I'm not a Bible scholar, have read it a bunch, and I have read a bunch of stories where God is doing something that takes, you know, we read the Bible like, okay, turn the page. Okay, that might have been 400 years. In fact, between Malachi and Matthew, it's, in your Bible, it's one page. God went silent for 400 years. Have you ever felt that way? God, why are you not talking to me? Why are you not answering my prayer? I don't hear you. I don't feel you. I don't sense you. Could it be that God's gone silent to draw us into an intimate, close, personal relationship where we have realized that, oh, I can't make it without him. I have to have him. I need to talk to him. I, God, I need to hear from you. And in our desperation, God intervenes at just the right time. <laughs> I, I remember what that felt like. Don and I were we're first married and we wanted to have a child and she had a miscarriage and it broke our heart and then she had another one and I was like, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. It hurts too bad. And then Mikey showed up at just the right time. And I was like, God, God why now? And it was like, God was like, well, I know I was sending you Mikey. I needed a few years to get you prepared. 
He was our miracle. At just the right time, God sent His Son. So take this as encouragement today. You've prayed for God's intervention. He'll intervene at the right time. You're waiting on a promise. The promise will be fulfilled. Listen, at the right time. You're waiting on direction from God. Direction will come. Listen, at the right time. You're waiting on a prodigal to come home. They'll come home. Listen, at the right time. God knows what he's doing. He's working on your behalf. And you'll see it at the right time. Father, in Jesus' name, I don't know why I feel this. God, there are people in this room praying for prodigals to come home. Lord, would you intervene? Would you draw men and women, adults, children, teenagers, would you draw them home at just the right time? If you'll agree with that, say amen. 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 Write this down. Jesus can relate to your humanity. Galatians 4, 4 and 5 says, But when the right time came, God sent His Son, listen, born of a woman, subject to the law. Do you ever feel like your humanity gets in the way? <laughs> Jesus did what only God could do. He stepped out of heaven and became fully man. And let me tell you what that means. That means he experienced every trial and temptation that you experience. There isn't an emotion. There's not a struggle that you face that Jesus isn't well acquainted with. So it really doesn't matter this morning what you're walking through. And I don't mean that flippantly because I know it does matter. But, but in this regard, it doesn't matter because whatever it is, Christ understands. There's not a circumstance that you're going to walk through that he's not acquainted with. Loneliness. Think Christ understands loneliness? Of course he does. Everybody left him. You're in physical pain this morning. Think Christ understands that? Oh, cool. You think Christ understands anxiety? The Bible says in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed with, can you imagine the weight of every sin of the entire world on your shoulders? The Bible says that that anxiety was so high that, 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 that his, his sweat became like drops of blood. Of course he understands. So we have this idea that, you know, we, we have this picture of Jesus sitting at the right hand of God in heaven and not being able to be completely acquainted with what you're walking through. And I'm telling you, he walked through your stuff. You think Jesus doesn't understand temptation? Of course he does. Hebrews 4 and 15 says, the high, This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. In other words, he did it the right way. Now, now listen, I, I like advice from people that know what they're talking about. Listen, if I'm cooking something, I want to talk to somebody that cooks better than I do. Like, 
I don't want to talk to you about how I'm supposed to grill this piece of meat if you don't own a grill. Do you know who gives the best parental advice on the planet? People that don't have kids. They, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all going to find out here in just a minute. I'm just telling you. <laughs> At some point, I'm going to get a phone call from Matt Life and it's going to go, Dad, I'm so sorry. I already got that one from Matt, from Mikey, so I'm waiting on yours too. Listen, and I said that to tell you. See, I, I, don't know, I don't know what you're walking through this morning. I can pray for you, and I can love you, and I can encourage you, and put my arm around you, and I can try to give you the best advice I can, but I, I need you to hear this with conviction. Regardless of what you're walking through this morning, there's someone who has been there. His name is Jesus. Why don't you talk to him? Galatians 4 and 5 says, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. I'd like you to write this down. Always remember the price of your freedom and never forget where you'd be without it. Just, just stop. Just, those of you that are in the building and you've said yes to Jesus and you're, you're living your life in pursuit of him, don't, don't ever get so removed from that day when you said yes to Jesus. Don't ever get so removed from that moment when Christ gloriously washed your sin away. Don't ever get so removed from that that you don't remember what it was like to not have Him. Don't ever get so removed from that that you, don't, that, that you grow calloused to the great price that was paid for your freedom. Don't ever get so far removed from it that, that, that something doesn't happen in your soul when you think about the cross of Calvary. Some of you have been saved long and I've been alive. Don't ever get so far removed from that moment that that emotion doesn't swell up in your soul when you think about the price that was paid for your pardon and for your freedom. Don't ever get so far removed from that. Never forget where you'd be without him. If I said the name John Newton, many of you would probably not recognize that name. But if I said his most famous work, a, a song called Amazing Grace, how many of you would remember that? He wrote that, I, I guess, the most famous hymn of all time, right? I mean, can you think of something more? No. He knew how to remember. See, he was, he was just a child when his mom died at seven years old. And then at 11, he left home and became a sailor. <laughs> at 11. We live in a different time. <laughs> became a sailor, went out to sea, and became a captain of a slave ship. And have it, had an active hand in one of the most atrocious, atrocious human activities that's ever been the slave trade he had an active hand in that horrible degradation and inhumanity but at 23 years old he was on his ship in imminent danger said a prayer asking god for mercy 
and grace. And he never forgot how amazing that grace was. From that day forward, he became an advocate to abolish the slave trade. Became a student of Scripture. In fact, when he wrote Amazing Grace, you play that song, if you played in the key he wrote it in, on all black keys. Think that's coincidence? Spent the rest of his life abolishing the slave trade and remembering the amazing grace of God. And over his mantle in his study was written Deuteronomy 15, 15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. Do you remember that moment? Please don't forget. See, if I'm going to be a son... I've got to remember what it feels like to be an orphan. If I'm going to be a son in the father's home, I've got to remember what it felt like to not have a father. I've got to remember what it felt like to be adopted. I've got to remember what it felt like to have the amazing grace and love and mercy of Christ wash over me in forgiveness and pardon of my sin. God, I never want to forget that. People make fun of me sometimes because I talk about it and I cry and I hope I never stop. And and the older I get, the more I see how imperfect and flawed and broken I am. And and it, it makes the grace of God seem that much bigger and grander and greater and more amazing. And I never want to forget that. In fact, we get in trouble when we forget it because then we forget it and we think we somehow deserve it and we start pointing at judgmental pe- people that think we don't, that we think don't deserve it. We, we, we get caught up in our holiness and look at the sin of others and, and somehow feel like that we're above them and we, 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 we get the right to judge them. And I'm going to tell you, you need to remember where you were when Jesus found you. The ground is level at the foot of the cross, y'all. I'm so thankful. Write this down. That I went from slavery to sonship. He calls me son. Galatians 4 and 6. And because we are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. Listen. Prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. That word appears in another place in the New Testament. Do you remember a moment ago I was talking to you about the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus carried the weight of the world on his shoulders. In that moment, he cried out, Abba, Father. That word, you know, depending on what theologian you listen to, what commentary you read, it, it, it comes under some scrutiny. But, but let me tell you what most theologians, what most commentaries say. That this was an affectionate, intimate term for your father. Sometimes when uh, Matt's poking around, he'll call, Hello, Father. But you know what they call me most of the time? Dad. Dad. 
there's four people on this planet that call me dad. And it's an affectionate, intimate, close, beautiful term. And that's what Abba means. It's a term of affection. It's a, it, it's a term, if you can picture a child crawling up in her father's lap, wrapping her arms around her father, Daddy. Some people are uncomfortable with that kind of intimate, personal, close, affectionate relationship with God. But there's going to come a day when you're going to need to climb up in His lap. I'm so glad. Listen, I hadn't always had it. I'm so thankful that even in the midst of my brokenness, even in the midst of my failure, I can call Him Father. And I can talk to him like I talk to my dad. Because nobody knows me like he knows me. Nobody understands me like he understands me. And the same is true for you. He's not just your God. And he is. That's, that's why I attach to, when I pray, I attach two terms. I say Heavenly Father. Because he's God, but he's my Father. I'm so thankful that I can look at him not just as the one that bought my way out of slavery. <laughs> that would have been enough. Philippians, excuse me, Galatians 4, 7 says, Now you're no longer a slave, but God's own child. Is that good news? And since you're his child, God's made you his heir. In, in other words, he, he didn't just set you free from slavery and bondage. He didn't just bring you into his father's house, into your father's house. He didn't just bring you into the house. You know what he did? He's bestowed on you and I all the rights and privileges of his son. What does that mean? I mean, I get some stuff, right? Does that mean, is that what it means? See, people have taken that and down a path that God never intended. That means I can drive what I want to drive because I'm his heir. It means I can live where I want to live because I'm his heir. It means I can, you know, have all the, you know, fun money I want in my pocket because I'm his heir. That's not what it means. It's cheap. It's shallow. And what you really get to inherit is much more than that. <laughs> Why do I want my heavenly inheritance to be something that's going to burn? You know what my inheritance is? Heaven, is that enough? Is that, is that it? Is, is it heaven? Is that my inheritance? Well, if that was it, that would be good enough, wouldn't it? Wouldn't anybody excited about heaven? I have read books about hell. That's kind of a drag. So if there's only two options, I'm going to heaven. Come on, somebody. Can I tell you it's bigger than heaven? That your inheritance is bigger than heaven? What's my inheritance? Write this down. Your inheritance is God Himself. What do I get? Because I'm, I'm ad adopted and, uh, and He's my Father, I get Him. He's mine and I am His. 
I have his ear. I have his heart. I have his spirit that dwells within me. I've got God. What else do you need? God. Thank you, God, that you call me son. So here's what I want to give you. I want to give you one, two, three, four, five. I always add some at the end. I always add, so I have to count them. I want to give you six principles, six very practical things that we can leave this with to teach us about sonship. And ladies, don't be, don't, can, can we all just be okay with sonship? Is that all right? Never know. I mean, number one, don't try to understand the activity of God through your intellect. My dad used to say something that I thought was pretty cool. He'd say, son, I taught you everything you know, but I didn't teach you everything I know. L- listen to me. God may be about some things that you don't understand, and it might not make, sen- make sense. If you'll learn to live your life okay with that, I'm... <laughs> y'all... You have to understand, I feel like I'm preaching in a mirror right now because it's where I'm living right now. Because there's some things going on in my life I don't understand. And I'm a, I'm a fixer. I like to fix things. I don't always fix stuff. Tim Johnson can tell you I tear up more stuff than I... I need you to come here. But I like to fix things. And some things you just can't fix. And, it, and so if, if, if we lay awake at night trying to figure out how we're going to fix all the stuff of life, you know what? You, 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 how about we just learn to sit in our father's lap? Say, Dad, I, I need you. And I trust you. So I'm just going to back away and let you do what you need to do. And I trust you. Your ways are higher than my ways. Even though I don't understand it, I'm not going to try to filter your activity through my brain. Listen, if, if God's activity could be understood and explained by my brain, he's a pretty pitiful God. Number two, stop trying to understand an eternal God through a man-made timeline. I have on an Apple Watch. And it controls my life. It tells me my next calendar event. It tells me. Sometimes it'll tell me. It, it'll say, stand up. You've been sitting down too long. And I'm like, mind your business. And I'm talking to my hand. But listen, if we try to put God in this box, he didn't work in the, it doesn't work that way, y'all. He doesn't work according to your day timer. He doesn't work according to your timeline. His ways are higher than your ways. Higher than my ways. It's called trust, y'all. That's right. So if God's not operating in the timely fashion that you think He needs to, just rest in this. He knows better than you. Don't take offense to this. He's a lot smarter than you are. He's a lot smarter than I am. Number three. Talk to Jesus about everything. Everything.
because there's nothing you'll talk to him about. <laughs> Where he go, can't help you with that one. Never been there. He's experienced every heartache that you've experienced, and you can talk to him about everything. Number four, never forget. And I, I, I think we need to... Let me tell you why I put this in, in the list. If we never forget where we were before Christ entered our heart, if we never forget where we were before God intervened, if we never forget the price that was paid, it, it's going it's to keep our, our perspective correct. It's going to help us remember that, that there's a world around us in desperate need of the gospel. It's going to help us remember that, that Christ just didn't come to take care of me. He came to take care of the world. Number five, leave your slavery mindset in your past. Let me, let me tell you, let me unpack this just a minute. And, and I'm just, just see, biblical slavery and the slavery that we know as the atrocities of, of, in this country were somewhat different. Biblical slavery typically was if I owed Randy a debt that I couldn't pay I would voluntarily place myself in servitude to Randy's house until such a time where I had paid that debt and then now I'm a free man see the the truth of, of American slavery there was no such thing as paying your debt you didn't own a debt you owned a person and, and, and oh by the way I don't have the right vocabulary to talk about how atrocious that uh, of a mark that was in our country. And I think you all agree. But there was a, it was slightly different because somebody could come along and it, if they paid my debt that I owed to Randy, I could walk out a free man. And so here, here's the beautiful thing. Once, once that debt was paid... Freedom was understood in a, in a brand new way. And, and I think so often Christ paid our sin debt that we couldn't pay. But we want to keep our feet in the stuff that held us captive. We want to we we be free, but we want to, to live like we're not free. And I'm going to and you're going to have to come next week, y'all. I'm, I'm telling you, to, for me to unpack this, you're going to have to come next week. Because we don't serve our Father to pay our debt. We serve our Father in response to freedom. And there's a big difference. This is bondage. Randy's going to think I'm mad at him. This is bondage. This is freedom. Serving Christ in response to the work that he's done is freedom. All right, let's go on. Lastly, please get this. What's your inheritance? Who's your inheritance? Spend the rest of your life inheriting your father. Donna, come and play. Y'all, in my, in my study this morning, I... I want you to bow your heads.
And uh, I'm going to tell you, there's three people that need to respond to this time of prayer. Not three people, three different kinds of people. And and here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If this is you, let's not play games. If this is you, let's, let's just... Let's just get business done with God today. See, I feel like there's some of you here and you're waiting. You're in a waiting place. You're waiting on God for intervention. You're waiting on God for direction. Maybe you're waiting on God for healing. Maybe you're waiting on God for that prodigal we talked about. I don't know. I don't know what you're waiting on. But you're waiting. And you're frustrated because God hadn't done what you wanted Him to do on your timeline. And listen, I get that, and I know what that feels like. And this is not a judgmental talk from Pastor Dwayne. I'm telling you, I know what that feels like, and I know how frustrating that is, and I know how, uh, how, how anxious that feels, feeling like God's just not doing what He needs to do when He needs to do it. And I need, I need you to hear me. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean God's not well at work on your behalf. So if that's you, I, I need you to respond in just a moment. Maybe you're here, and there's some things you need to talk to Jesus about. But the enemy's convinced you. The enemy's convinced you that that's something you can't talk to Jesus about. The enemy's convinced you that he wouldn't understand. The enemy's convinced you that you're just going to work this out on your own. And I'm going to tell you that, that that's happened to me more times than, I'm, than I want to admit. Then he's convinced me that I could fix it on my own, that I could take care of it on my own. And I'm telling you that Jesus wants you to talk to him about it. And then lastly, and you, you're thankful to be free. But you need to start behaving like a child. God's called you free, but you want to respond to his call to you as son. In other words, you want a more personal, intimate, close relationship with your heavenly father. Come on, y'all stand to your feet all across this room. You heard what I said. You're in this room. You're waiting on God. You're frustrated because God's not operated on your timeline. You might not use those words, but you've asked Him and you've prayed about something and you've, you've agonized and, and you've cried and it's just not happened like you think it needs to happen and, and, and you're frustrated. And that's you this morning. I want you to raise your hand. Amen. Amen. The enemy's convinced you are... There's something you need to talk to Jesus about that you've tried to fix on your own. And you want to respond to the the Savior calling you to talk to Him, to involve Him in in, in every area of your life. That's you. I want you to slip your hand up. Amen. And maybe you're here and you just say, Dwayne, I want a more personal relationship with my Heavenly Father. If that's you, I want you to slip your hand up in the air. Do this. And listen, we're not going to play any games. I just, I just want to pray for you. So if you raise your hand for any of those things, I want you to very quickly just move and just come stand around right in the front of the part of this, this altar. I want you to come. And I want you to come quickly.